from the parking lot. To the tunnel. Check it out. Have fun. Unleash. Let's go. To the 50-yard line. On the field. This is your field pass with DCI's Dan Potter. Welcome back to the Field Pass. Dan Potter with DCI's Michael Boo and Jeff Griffith as we work our way through the Drum Corps International audio releases from the 2019 season. We are taking one core from each of the four discs in the four-disc set of CDs, but we are down to our last four cores. In this CD, we're reviewing Spartans, the 2019 Open Class Champions, Spirit of Atlanta, Blue Knights, and the World Class Champions, the Blue Devils. We begin with the Spartans. The show was called Experiment X, and it was a nod to the 10th anniversary of their return to the field as a competitive drum corps. Uh, right off the line with Balkan Dance, but Michael, why don't you give us the rundown of their repertoire, and then we'll get into some specifics. The entire repertoire had a mid-eastern exotic music vibe, starting with Balkan Dance by Etienne, I'm not really sure how it pronounces, Cruzas? <laughs> I think so, yeah. C-R-A-U-S-A-Z. Uh... <laughs> Named uh, actually, the piece is named Exuberant. It's a British band, brass band piece from 2017, and it reminded me so much of Cirque du Soleil's Distorted, the Badoy Shutras piece that Madison Scouts played back in 2003. And then I went into Egyptic by Beats Antique, a 2010 electric dance album from Blind Threshold the U.S. Experimental World Fusion and Electronic Music Group. Hmm. And then Act 2 was Liebertangle by Astor Piazzolla. And we've heard that a number of times before. Blue Colts 2003, Mad Capture and Escape, Madison Scouts 2007 Unbound, Mandarins 2009, and Oregon Crusaders in 2012. Then we were followed up by Act 3, Shallow, by Stephanie Gerbata, better known as Lady Gaga, and a whole bunch of other people. It was a power rock ballad with Bradley Cooper from the 2018 A Star Is Born remake of the 1932 movie The Truth About Marriage, about uh, the marriage of Barbara Stanwyck and Frank Fay. And it received the Academy Award for Best Original Song. And the final act four was Gretel and Shofukan, two separate tunes by the uh, bassist and leader of Snarky Puppy, Mike Lafigue, and we heard that from Jersey Surf in 2017, and also in 2017 from Spirit of Atlanta's Crossroads, We Are Here. Jeff, that off-the-line piece, the Balkan dance, just hits you right in the face. They didn't waste any time getting to the meat of their show, did they? You're absolutely right, Dan. The This show was so fun. It was 
right from the start, it was different. It was unique. It was, it wasn't really Spartans. And that was the idea from what I got from a lot of their designers was that um, this show was meant to be, I'll say this, when I first heard that the show was called Experiment X, knowing what I know about Spartans, I thought it was gonna be some kind of scientist experiment, you know, like that kind of, like, like lab coats and all that, because they're very good at telling you a story and painting you a picture. That's been their identity in years past. But this show was an experiment in the sense that they just decided to try whatever they wanted to. So they tried new music, they tried new uniforms, they tried new props, they tried new choreography, they just went for it, and it worked! They were undefeated, they were open-class champions, and right off of the bat, like you said, Dan, you saw that uh, with Balkan Dances. I mean, I jotted down a couple of timestamps of just really fun, energetic moments that if you just want like a 30-second snippet of excitement from Spartans, go to 141, 247, or 403 on the audio recording. But the one I'm going to pick out from there is at 403. It's a park and bark. Um, it's the Libra Tango piece that Mike mentioned. Oh, this is the call um, and response between the solos. It starts out as a solo snare and a solo yes. trumpet doing a call and mm -hmm. response, and then the, both yes. lines join in. Yeah, that's, that's so much fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this really fun just shout moment and I had the chance to write a really long form article on the Spartan season um, in which I got to talk to Colin Plant their uh, horn sergeant and he I asked him no this season could be something special and he pointed to this movement and he told me a really cool story that I want to reiterate real quick to you guys he talked about one of their early rehearsals where they were doing that whole thing you know in drum corps where you're kind of playing it at like a mezzo forte you're cleaning the parts etc and the staff he said finally told them to just play all out and he said that after that one rep, the core was just losing their minds. They were so excited and ecstatic over that moment. Um, and he said that was the moment. This is the quote he gave me. That was the first moment where it set in like, this is cool. This is something special. Once we started to gain that confidence, if we, put all, if we all put out what we can put out, we could have something special happen. And he was right. Um, but that's really a cool moment and a really exciting moment in the show. Um, and you can't blame them for getting excited over it. Well, I, I would add that uh, one of the representations of just how good they were this year was in 2018 they made semifinals they were they were the cutoff they were the bubble core barely and they were only 0 0.012 that's about a tenth of a tenth over 26 place legends and this year their score from last year increased 5.337 uh, we, we just don't see that and so they, they moved up to 19th. They were 25th for the prior three years. And so this was really a better year for them. Absolutely. I have a few notes from them, if I may uh, encapsulate the show. Sure. Part one, which is the, the, you know, the Balkan dance of the Egyptic, let the core from where they had been and pulls them towards greater innovation. Act two, which is the Libertago, explored the quest for the spotlight. And act three, which was the Lady Gaga, showed the vulnerability of the performers 
whereas Act 4, the end, is where the experiment culminates with all the pieces working together to bring you the 2019 version of the Spartans. I geek out on bass drum runs. There is one at the eight-minute mark that is one of the best from the entire season, world or open class, I don't care. That bass drum line nailed it. Yeah, that, I, I know the exact moment you're talking about. It's coming right out of the ballad, right? Yeah, coming out of the ballad into oh. the trombones. Yes, very cool moment. One other uh, musical moment that really struck me. There's so many, like like I mentioned, fun little snippets in this show. Um, but the closer, and Mike, you mentioned it being a very tie all the pieces together. The, tr the closer was so energetic. And there was one moment that I jotted down. Happens right around, I think, the 10, 20 mark. So real quick, I've always had a thing for moments where you get like the high brass comes in on the chord and then the low brass kind of punches you in the gut right after that. Um, I always kind of equate it to like an alley-oop in basketball. Like you get the guard who tosses it up and the low brass just slams it down. And there's a moment like that in the closer here, right before the ending, right in um, the middle of the Shofukan part of the show. And every time I heard that, you know, just excitement. And that's the whole point of this show is just like building up that energy, building up that excitement. Um, and that felt like the moment where it just kind of boiled to that impact right before the end of the show. So that was my other real stick out moment for me from Spartans. That, that quite excited me as well, because uh, I don't remember really ever hearing Spartans rock out. Yes. And and darn, they were pretty good at doing that. Yeah. It, 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 it really, when I saw them the first time, that really caught me by surprise. That, and that had to be, going back to, Jeff, what you were telling about them telling the court to just, you know, let it all hang out. Right. Earlier in the season. Right. When they had that aha moment that the kids were all excited about. I mean, it was it it, it was just not the Spartans I was used to seeing. Yeah, talking to a lot of the members this year, like I mentioned, just doing that doing that kind of wrap up story on them, there was such a like a shared vibe and shared feeling around this season that it was nothing Spartans had ever done before. And no one talked down on previous years. Because Spartans have always been a good open class core, a good competitive usually a semi-finalist, usually bringing out great shows, um, you know, a crowd favorite. But they talked about yeah. this year from start to finish, just everything felt better and it never let up. And the one thing that everyone kept saying was that they never wanted this season to end. You know, you're tired, you're exhausted, it's drum corps. But they, even when they performed in that semi-finals encore, they, everything they told me, they just kept wanting to perform this show. And you could tell watching them perform it that night uh, at Lucas Oil for the last time. It was a different show for Spirit of Atlanta this year. Neon underground, spooking everybody out when they came out onto the field in those dark cloaks and hoods. And then uh, into uh, a bright neon, almost rave by the end of the show.
I had some uh, favorite moments, including a, there's a there's a point at four minutes forty seconds, uh, the intro to the ballad, where there's a, a synthesized voice that's part of the sound design, and then it blends right into the marimba, and then right into a trumpet solo, and it's it's just so seamless the interplay between those three elements. Michael, tell us about the repertoire for Neon Underground. Well, the intro by Matt Filosa and John Seipert and Chris Moore was very mysterious. Those are core arrangers. And then we went into Crump, a 2017 wind ensemble piece by Scott McAllister, which was very angular, reflecting the dance style of crumping, which was a new term for me. And when we get back to that, I'll, I'll tell you a little more about what crump means. Have it's you an been acronym. practicing your crumping? I hope not. Dan, you don't even have to ask. <laughs> yeah. And then You and Me by the British Electronic Music Dual Disclosure from their 2013 debut album, Subtle, with vocals by Eliza Doolittle. And that was the very complex melod intro that introduced that. And then Attraction by Emmanuel... Sejourn was basically a drum solo, originally for marimba and vibe solos with Indian percussion background. And that's where we heard the rather sitar-like sounds, followed by Color Wheel by Arch Expo 2017, an instrumental progressive fusion band, kind of a let the beat drop, which reminded me a lot of the Cavaliers' end of the show, the 15 minutes of fame, where they got yeah. into that square and oh, yeah. did that uh, dance thing. So the entire show was about the nightclub scene in Atlanta with mysterious characters. That's why they came out of those black cloaks. And you don't know how the night's going to go. And they go into the nightclub and explore the opportunities and choose their own adventure. And I'll get more into about the rest of the show later. But let's head back to the opener. Jeff, this was one of your favorite shows this year, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I liked it a lot. It was, it was really energetic. It was really electronic, but not in a messy, overwhelming way. Because um, I think we can all say that, you know, electronics can be overused. And a show that's about the nightclub scene, you could see that happening. But I felt like it was a good soundscape that they created with the electronics rather than just slamming electronics into your face. Um, but Mike, you mentioned the opener. Um, what was cool about this show, and I think a lot of people noticed this by the end of the season, was it picked up where 2018 left off. So 2018's show ends with, you know, the, the it was called Knock, and at the end of the show, one of the members walks out through one of the door props, you hear that of the door slamming, and now this year's show, there's one of those doors was up on top of a, a pedestal, and a member in last year's uniform walks through it to start the show, in the old, uh, in the 2018 uniform, and he takes it off and becomes a member of the 2019 core, and then enters the Neon Underground, which is really cool. Right. But, that staircase but, is actually the main character descending into the basement nightclub. Right. Right. But before I get into 2019 and how it even how it connects to 2018, one thing I thought that I'm curious if you guys 
thought this when you heard it too. Did the knocking on the door and that as an opening remind anyone else of their 2013 show, Speakeasy? Yes. That, in fact, I thought that same thing when I started listening to the track, and it didn't mm-hmm. hit me that way on the field this year. It didn't. I didn't draw right. that corollary until I just heard it. Right. Same, exactly. same here. Same here. And, and it's so obvious. I have no idea how I missed that live. But a couple, a couple things musically that stuck out to me, really in the beginning portion of this show, um, the whole show was fun to me, fun and energetic. Um, but there's a couple little things. Um, from about 145 to 153, the mellophones on the last uh, chord of the opening impact sequence, soul-crushing. There's this little rip they have out of the chord, and they pump out this high note over top of the chord. I love... And I've mentioned it on all these episodes when mellophones can do that within an impact moment. Um, But this one just hit me differently. And then around 3.30, there's this like 30 second passage of these just wicked passages of runs between some of the sections of the horn line. Really impressive. And I feel like that speaks... You know, there's a lot of moments in this show where you listen to it and that's and you're like, that's exciting, that's fun. But that was one of those moments that reminded me, this is a 13th place core. You know, this is a core that's been right on that finals cusp for two two years now, and for good reason. And that I feel that I feel like was a prime example. give you uh, a chance to demonstrate having a Ken Jennings moment since okay. he just won that Jeopardy. Yes, greatest uh, of all time, isn't he? Uh-huh. Do you know what Crump stands for? It's an uh, acronym. It, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, crazy round. Yeah. No, Michael, I don't know what Crump stands for. I would lose in Jeopardy. <laughs> well, well, close. Uh, Crump is... Uh, Crumping is a subculture among teens in Los Angeles. It's a very frenetic, hyper-paced dancing style where they gather in a, wherever they can gather and kind of battle dance each other. And this is uh, kids who are vocal opponents of violence. So it makes crumping an alternative to the gang wars that, that plague the areas where they live. Okay, so what is the it stands Kingdom radically uplifted, mighty praise. It almost uh, has a religious overtone to it. Absolutely, it does. I, and Jeff, yeah. I can see Jeff on Skype right now going, Are you sure about that? No, I'm not questioning him. I'm just a little taken aback. I guess, yeah. I had no but, idea. But uh, generally speaking, when Mike knows things, they're true. So I'm just going to I'm Write just going to believe down. that and... Say it again, Thanks Mike. For that what does little... it stand for? Crump is an acronym for Kingdom Radically Uplifted Mighty Praise. Okay. And this is from the this is from the program notes for for this piece. Hmm. It's uh, it, you know, it's very energetic, very passionate, but it is so it's it's an awesome. uplifting mosh pit. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's uh, you know, imagine if Kate Smith, Kate Smith was in a mosh pit. This is <laughs> what you might get. <laughs> Hang on, processing that image. Okay, good. Proceed. <laughs> so that that was uh, it, it was an exciting piece because of that. I, I thought they channeled that energy of the dancing into the music. I kind of jumped the gun earlier talking about my favorite moment from this, and that's that intro into the ballad and the, the synth voices and the marimba, the trumpet. You had some thoughts on the ballad, too. Yeah, I love this ballad. It was, I mean, it wasn't, for all intents and purposes, it didn't really feel like a ballad, you know, because, um, you know, at, at points, especially during the kind of the buildup of it, it was very, you know, softer and, and a little more, you know, laid back. But the 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 impact itself of the ballad was so grooving. Um, there's some lead up to it though, where there's like trading solos between, I think like a trumpet and a trombone that really almost kind of haunting, but in like a pretty way. And then it goes into this just halftime kind of grooving. And I love a ballad where you can just be bobbing your head back and forth while listening to the groove of the music. So that to me was kind of the highlight of the show as far as just like pleasant listening. But then from there, obviously, um, just such an exciting ending. Um, this show all around, I felt like had different forms of energy packed into different parts of the show that really made it personally uh, enjoying to watch and listen to. There was nothing hidden in this show. It was all very open, very hard to miss. And lots of things happening as typically in a nightclub scene, but it it was all out there. Mm -hmm. But the staff said that it's the type of nightclub, it's whatever the viewer brings to the scene. It's choose your own adventure is the gist of the entire show. Let the beat drop. Let's jump discs now to the Blue Knights and their show, I Remember Everything. And the first thing that I remember about this show is the amazing narrator. I remember the sound of the wind. The tree branches scraping the roof like people whispering. I asked Mark Arnold, the uh, Blue Knights core director, where'd they find this guy? Because he sounds like Peter Coyote, who, if you ever watch PBS Frontline, that's the narrator on Frontline. Uh, this narrator, to me, this is my business, right? Voice and and uh, listen to people reading words, spoken word. This guy was amazing. Uh, and he found him on Voice 123, just a kind of a clearinghouse for voiceover artists online. Uh, hmm. An amazing job and a great setup into the uh, spinning battery coming across the field, which is, to me, the highlight sonic moment of the whole Blue Knight show. How they were able to get those snares to be 
spinning and playing such clean roles that fade in and fade out as they move from right to left sonically across the field is just so cool. first thing I wrote down here for Blue Knights was percussion writing, my God, because the way they used the percussion, and they, every year they have really cool percussion arrangements, but the way they used it for this show, I'm, I might be wrong in saying this, but I personally can't remember any show that used the sound of its battery percussion to display the theme. Like, I talked to Kevin Shaw a little bit in the middle of the season, and he said that like it was intentional what they were doing with the sounds of the percussion to create different things. The show was all about memories. It was all about memories defining and kind of defining a person, defining an experience, defining life. And so uh, in the opener, you mentioned those rising and falling roles. To me, that felt like almost memories floating in and out of your mind. You know, that's how that connected back to the theme to me was it felt like, you know, the rising and falling of breath uh, if in, in a way. And then in the ballad, and this was this, this was something I, I asked him. I was like, was this intended to be this way? And he said it absolutely was. He said that there's moments during the ballad where the percussion just kind of plays things out of nowhere. And they don't connect to the music really at all. They're just these like four, five, six, seven beat passages of just percussion. Just hello, batteries playing while everyone else is very quiet. And he said those were intended to be flashbacks. What what was so fascinating about that part of the ballad was how could a drumline be so emotionally involved in a ballad for one thing? Sure. And then how could they interact with the horn line they were 80 yards away from the horn line. Yeah, way far back in the field. interactions that they could be so far away and still interacting and doing it during a ballad yeah that ballad by the way was hurt by trent reznor nine inch nails tune of course and we've, we've which, heard which we heard also heard this, this year from crossman yeah uh and but it sounded like a different tune and it wasn't the only tune in their repertoire mike that we have heard before in fact one of them was extremely recognizable because the cadets took it to a championship yeah in 2005 J. Bocook's Liquid. Tell us about the rest of the repertoire, Mike. Well, the beginning, the first six minutes, in fact, was uh, Olafar Arnold, he's an Icelandic pianist, his sudden throw. That is the opening track from his 2013 ambient album, For Now I Am Winter. But it doesn't sound ambient because J. Bocook drum corded up. And then we went into that liquid, which we, you know, experienced back in 2005. And that's a J. Bocook original, right? That is correct. And then uh, Trent Reznor's Nine Inch Nails hurt, which to me uh, dealt a lot more with the pain of depression than what Crossman did with it the same year. 
it, it was agonizingly intense, but in a good way. And, you know, nobody could do agonizingly intense like Blue Knights. You know, the whole show had a, and I don't mean this, uh, I mean this complimentary. The whole show had a typical Blue Knights, I found it under a rock sensation to it. Because they're they're a very introspective core. It's almost like you feel like you're on a psychoanalyst couch. And from those opening moments, when I thought I heard a helicopter in the opener, uh, you have that continual narration. Oh my goodness, Mike. I had never thought about this before, but the last time we heard an effect from the battery similar to this was Santa Clara Vanguard, hmm? Miss Saigon, Saigon, at the beginning of uh -huh. our show. Right. And, wow. Yeah. <laughs> One that one that pops into my head is thirteen Madison Scouts Quarter Brothers, yeah. also sounded like a helicopter. Uh -huh. That's one. Yeah. Although they didn't, uh, they were, they weren't really going for a helicopter thing, you know, right. like unlike Madison Scouts, which actually had their rifles twirling parallel to the field to give that impression. But it, the continual narration, one would think, you know, in the past we've heard cores that have done continual nar narration, and and some fans have been very annoyed by that. It fit here. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it, it was just a connecting tissue throughout. Mm -hmm. So then after I'm jealous of this guy's voice. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Narration yeah. has the propensity to be cheesy if done wrong, but when done right, it's it really does tell the story. When I work with uh, radio talent, with uh, other you know younger news broadcasters and stuff, I I talk to them about a piece of copy of words on a page being just like music and that it has a dynamic range and that each word, just like each note on a sheet of music, carries its own weight. And this narrator, I wish I knew his name, understands that to a T and interpreted that copy just like music. It had a very musical feel to it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so uh, the, the closer you asked about the uh, repertoire was uh, Moses Sumney's Lonely World, which is off his 2017 album, a romanticism, combination of aroma and romanticism. And uh, that's where we had multiple layers of color and the repeating trumpet fanfare-like figures over the mid-voices was, was most intriguing. And this piece, it didn't start out all that soft, but it somehow managed to continually grow and build throughout in volume. And I, I, I'm not quite sure how they did that. Yeah, Mike, you talk about the fanfares. The I'm assuming you mean kind of that back and forth kind of double-tonguing passage in the high brass. That was astounding to me, how good they sounded on that. And then they go right into that closing impact. That that moment was probably the moment where I felt like this is might be the best Blue Knights ever heard. was the message of the show was really about that drum corps is a home for a lot of kids. This this is directly from the staff. So for BK, people come to BK because they want a unique experience of drum corps. They want Blue Knights to be uh, 
for the others to feel that it's their home. Now, every every course says that, but this show, that was the message that was underneath all the narration. But you really have to listen very closely to process that. The, the end of the show, the narrations talk about how they finally reached that place where they want to be, and that place is home. And that home is the Blue Knights. And then when they kneel, visually at the end, they, they kneel, the end turns into the core's iconic dot logo that identifies the core historically for the past you know, 20, 30 years. So that was to really let you know that the show really is about Blue Knights itself. No matter what you might think from listening to the narration, it, it really is drawn back to the core. The cool thing for me was uh, I got to talk to their uh, age out drum major, Daniel Belcher. The quote he said was, this show is about all the memories that I've had, not just in my life, but in drum corps and on everything it, and everything it has given me and then throwing it out for everyone else. I have a really deep personal connection with this show and it's making it a really great age out. That says it all. They made it. They were at last. And we get to our final review now, the 2019 Drum Corps International World Champions for World Class, the Blue Devils making it 19 world titles in 2019 with Ghost Light. And a striking beginning as the uh, color guard is gathered around the ghost light at the beginning in the uh, center of the field. They turn around. They have the Greek uh, masks, the comedy and tragedy masks on as they turn around. And it just gave everybody a chill, I think, Michael. Oh, absolutely. And in addition to that, the intoning of the Greek tragic chorus, which was very haunting, you know, the, the show opened with a detuned piano and a violin, you know, a piano that hadn't been tuned in, let's say, decades, because these these are kind of ghost figures. A uh, couple counts of... If, Jeff, did you catch the couple counts of St. Sans' uh, Dance Macabre? You know, I did, Mike, yeah. Yeah, easy to miss the first time. And then eventually it went into, uh, well, not uh, rather quickly, it went to into Capturian Simply Number 3, which we heard... Uh, from fan from regiment in their uh, 2017 phantasm show it was before the finlandia finale mm -hmm. the trumpet fanfare uh that blue devils made they they picked the trumpet fanfare from that you know, it, was, it was just very very intricate very 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 crisp and then we moved into imogene heaps cycle song that's from sparks her 2014 concept album uh, which was utilized for the soundtrack of the documentary film The Happiest Place, A Journey Across Bhutan. Bhutan is that country that's known for pioneering the concept of gross national happiness. So uh, it was very challenging for me to follow the beat during the trumpet expose of that piece. And then we went into small Paul Smadback's rhythm song, which uh, I recommend anyone look for Evelyn Glennie's album of that same name. 
this was originally written for one or more marimbas, one of the most popular solo marimba pieces of the past 50 years. And uh, it's kind of a molto perpetual because it, it just keeps going. But they, they added horns to it. They You wouldn't know it was just for marimbas from the beginning. It, it's kind of like what Santa Clara did in 2000 with uh, David Gillingham's stained glass. And uh, more so than what Crown did with the same piece in 2003 or Legends in 2014. So it was, it was remarkable to consider that that was just a piece for marimba. And here we hear all these horns. We then went into A True Passion by Lauren Balf from 2018. That's from the... Uh, Genius Picasso soundtrack of the National Geographic series. Very, very soaring ballad. And uh, it reminded me so much of Michael Torque's The Kiss, which they played the closing piece in 2007. Jeff, go back and listen to The Kiss from the end of 2007 and see if you see the similarities to this. Sure. And then yeah. we both returned from the same Picasso soundtrack with The Stoke of Genius. That was where we heard all those Afro-Cuban percussion sounds. And then the tap shoes came in, and David Glyde arranges for the core, his original Ghost Light. And also in the show, we had Britney Spears' Circus from her 2008 album. That's the one where, uh, if you saw the video, she is a ringleader accompanied by several performers. And where was Circus in the show? Yeah, it's right in the middle of the show. So there's that section of the show where you have a lot of um, kind of... I think people talked about um, ghosts of Core's past being a, a part of the show. Um, it's kind of like in the second movement, so you've got a lot of like weird fe uh, featurettes around the around the field happening. Um, a couple of like like a snare feature, and then the kind of ball builds to this one chord. And this is one of the cool transitional moments to me. It's kind of like a 140-ish BPM tempo, and they hit this chord. And the quarter note triplet is being played on like a bass drum or some low percussion instrument. And that tempo becomes the tempo, uh, the quarter note for circus coming out of there. So it's before the ballad. Um, it's it's kind of the big uh, park and bark, if you will, that leads into the ballad movement. pick up on that as much because the ballad was one of my favorite songs to hum after the performances of any of the choruses past year it, it really connected with me well let's dive a little bit deeper into the repertoire and see what everybody liked jeff what moments did you write down all of them no. um, <laughs> well it's as far true, man it was a solid show top to bottom and the reason that i it's so hard to narrow down and this is the first thing i wrote it doesn't feel like there's movements you know, we talked in the last episode about blue coats feeling like this one thread, and this show felt like that too. Some of the transitional material was just so well woven. There were a couple I mentioned the way they moved in from the the, the more featurette type movement into circus with that quarter note triplet kind of carrying the new tempo through the chord. Um, similarly, in the opening impact, which is kind of the first moment I pulled out, when you get that high brass fanfare, Mike, you mentioned it earlier. Um, first of all, impeccable. Second of all so clean but third of all the way it builds to this filled out chord another alley-oop 
kind of moment where the the high brass kind of fills out the top portion of the chord and the low brass punches you in to kind of fill things out. Um, from there, there's a tempo change that happens within that chord. I've listened to this show, let's see, how many days has it been since finals? 150, about 150 times. And every, I cannot figure out how they so seamlessly did this tempo change. It's perfect. Uh, and it goes right into Cycle Song, which, Mike, you mentioned having a hard time following the meter. I saw... Uh, some of the sheet music for this movement. It's in like a 5-4-4-4. So it's kind of in a way in three, because five plus four is nine, but that's kind of how the meter of the cycle song uh. um, irons out. But like you said, it's so syncopated and really hard to follow, but in a cool, fun way in terms of the listening. Uh, another moment that I picked out, um, I'm not even going to get started on the ballad, because I could do a whole podcast in this ballad. But I have to make sure that I don't end this podcast without mentioning this violinist. This kid was incredible. I shouldn't call him a kid. He's probably my age. But this man, incredible what he what he did on the field. The stuff he's playing in the movement between the ballad and the closer we talked about with the, um, the tap shoes on the percussion. It's intoxicating. The kind of runs he's playing, um, it's, it's almost unfair how how perfectly he plays some of this stuff. Um, it's just bars upon bars of just wicked 16th note runs. And then of course, all, all the while the brass line is you know doing choreography and if you've forgotten they're there, they kind of come out of there just playing just sickening runs to end out that movement. Um, but that whole section to me, it's like, can they mess up? Can they mess up? No, they can't and they won't and they're just gonna wow you. And that, move, that whole movement with the tap shoes and the violinist, all of that was just, enthralling to listen to both live and on these CDs because you get such a good crisp quality of sound from how precise they really are playing that music. were made possible the effect by my favorite part of the show which was actually a visual and that was the backdrops that they used the lowering yeah. of which, those backdrops which were walls yeah right and then they were platforms mm -hmm. and then they were tap shoe stages yes and then they were something else I have never seen such a simple prop used in so many different ways throughout it it, it stayed in the it, it kind of stayed visually in the background even when it was up front but what a genius thing they did with them coolest uh, um, iteration of that to me was in the ballad and we keep going back to the ballad but not really flushing it out but they had that that round set of stages almost where the back the back portions of that circle of walls were standing up and then as you got further forward they were more angled down so it almost became like during the season that that was to represent was the globe theater uh, yeah shakespeare's theater 
And, right. And it, it as you looked at it, it, it theater in the round, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you can totally see it. The 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 way they had it set up at the ending though was so cool to me the way they used it um they had the ghost light there on the on the kind of the front portion it's diagonaled from like the front left 30 to like the back right 40 if you will if you're facing from the audience and it's it it makes for this cool moment at the end where you've got the ghost light there on the prop you've got everyone's kind of coming forward slowly towards that prop and they all kind of line up behind it and then all at once as you hear that narration all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players they all run over it and all these you know these spirits if you will that are in the theater fly into the front of the field and hit those last three chords and you see that um, that fabric that uh, is I don't know if it's velvet um, that that reddish fabric flies out from the back of the line of props. It's just such a cool final moment to me. And I wrote this down, um, the the trumpet melody that sticks out over that final chord. Every time I heard it, I smiled. It's just, it's like three or four little notes. And it was the, it was it was kind of a thread throughout the show. It's that, I think it's that, um, that original melody, um, if I'm not mistaken, but it's it sticks out over the final chord. And every time I heard that, just chills and smiling on the sideline. Such a cool ending. Hold the world's a stage. And all the men and women, men and plants. Guys, I've really enjoyed going over all of these tracks with you. It's it's been special, and I have certainly learned a lot by going back and listening without the visuals. Um, and it's something that I do every year. And as we I think said in the very first uh, podcast, there are things that you will notice and and maybe even remember things visually that you saw that you didn't pick up on during the summer when you listen. To these tracks. Uh, close your eyes, take yourself back to the summer, and enjoy the mix on these because it's just like being there. Let's get some final thoughts. Michael, you first. Well, close your eyes indeed, unless you're driving while you're listening to the CD. Yeah, <laughs> probably a good idea. Yeah. Uh, th- this has been a joy to experience, to reflect on this with you two. And I, I think it's something that we we have to do every year now i have never really regarded the cds the audio recordings as important as the visual the dvds because uh, because you do lose a great part of what drum corps is about uh, in, in not having the visual presentation but this year's recordings with the microphone placement and the advances that they made in the, the recording techniques. This this year recording, you could listen and all these visual things that you think you're gonna miss, you don't miss. It it comes back and and kind of in a haunting way that you could see through these remarkable recordings. I have never heard recordings of Drum Corps done like this. 
in radio, we, we have the saying, theater of the mind. And when you close your eyes and you listen to these CDs, you will visualize. Maybe you'll visualize exactly what you saw last summer, but at times, I think your mind will also come up with its own images. And that's the beauty of listening to these CDs, Jeff. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, Mike already talked about just how how cool it is to just hear the music isolated. And in that way, like you said, that whole concept of theater of the mind, you get that that visual picture in your head listening to it. Um, I said this on the first podcast, I've always been a music guy. I love visual. I, I think, you know, seeing shows unfold on the field is fascinating, but you know, music has been the thing that draw, music is the thing that drew me to drum core initially and continues to draw me back to it. Um, and what's been cool for me to listen through these, you know, like any drum corps fan, I have my favorites. But there were a few that, you know, as much as I enjoyed them, maybe they didn't click as much with me. So I listened to them a little less. So this was kind of my chance to listen back through everybody and kind of remember 2019 was amazing. 2019 was a fantastic season. And being able to kind of sit back and listen intently, find moments we liked, you know, research a little bit and know what we were talking about and being able to do that and kind of re-experience all of these shows from an audio perspective made 2019 so much more special to me than it already was. You know, just when it ended, this was this is my favorite season in my 10 plus years being a drum corps fan. And this just made that even more the case. I think anybody who's a drum corps fan, the, just the more you can experience any show, the more you're gonna love it. Don't see a show the first time and say to yourself, I don't like that show, I don't wanna see it again. Cause there have been shows like that for me, but listening to them over and over again, you fall in love with every design cause they're just that good. So I have to agree with you guys, uh, same time, same place next year. You know, I don't know if it's, uh, if it's a matter of mic placement or the mix that they did post-production, uh, whatever it was, they found a way to bring every voice to the listener. This is clarity, even if you sat on the 50-yard line, halfway up, just below the judges. <laughs> you know, even if you had the prime listening spot in Lucas Oil Stadium, you didn't hear the shows the way these CDs and audio files will bring them to you. Uh, it's absolutely magical. It is. It is. And it's been a magical time with you guys. I appreciate it. Folks, don't take our word for it. Just download one of the tracks at marchingmusicdownloads.com. Listen to it. If you like that one track of your favorite core from 2019, you're going to want to download the rest of them and have the same kind of intent listening experience that we've had. I think you'll really enjoy it. Michael, Jeff, thank you both very much. And we'll do this again next year. For Jeff Griffith and Michael Boo, I'm Dan Potter. Happy listening. Hold the world's a stage, and all the men and women's men and plants. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. And folks, if you want to hear what we're talking about, you got to get this audio. You either go to marchingmusicdownloads.com or you can find them on Amazon and Apple iTunes. Or you can just buy the CDs in the DCI store. Go to dci.org and click through. You'll find them there. For Jeff Griffith and Michael Boo, I'm Dan Potter. We'll talk to you next time.